Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's your call sign, pilot? Um, we have to go. It, it's, um, Rogue? Rogue Ones. Rogue Ones? There is no Rogue Ones. Well, there is now. Hello and welcome to The Rogue Ones, a Star Wars and or podcast from the Playlist Podcast Network that dares you to put away the lightsabers, pick up the blasters, and see what this rebellion is really made of. I'm your co-host, Mike D'Angelo, and joining me is editor-in-chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Together, we plan to dive light speed into season one of Andor right along with the fans each week. Many of those weeks will also bring on special guests from the show to discuss stepping into the beloved and contentiously debated Star Wars universe, share teases for what's to come, and even talk about their favorite Star Wars films. This week, we'll be discussing episode six of the series entitled The Eye, and afterwards, Mon Mothma herself, Genevieve O'Reilly, joins the podcast to discuss finally fleshing out Mon Mothma what the lavish sets say about her character and tease what's to come for her specifically. Before we jump into all that, I've got to tell you that the Rogue Ones is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, The Discourse, Deep Focus, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network to get this show and all of those that I just mentioned. Also drop us a rating or a comment as we always appreciate it. Okay, Rodrigo. This is the episode we were waiting for. And, uh, well, Andor and his crew of rebels finally commit and the heist is on. Loot was had. Lives were lost. Traitors were brought to the forefront. I knew this was going to be a tense episode, but hot damn, this one really delivers, did it not? Yeah, I mean, hot damn, that was a fucking killer episode. It was, uh, you know, all the patience really paid off. Like, all this investment in the characters really paid off. And, you know, I predicted eventually when this heist was going to go off that it was really going to go down and there were going to be some major fireworks and shit. And holy shit. I mean, this was like, this was a really epic and thrilling and tense episode. Like, wow. Yeah, the intensity uh, just building throughout the beginning there and then just tipping over and, and just going into all out chaos is it, it was amazing. I, I thought that was what episode three did really well. But this one, like, almost doubles down on all of it. Yeah, it kicks it up a notch. The episode three kind of does it at the end a little bit or I, guess, I mean, throughout. But yeah, I mean, the last end, last half of episode three is really, you know, and this is kind of like the full deal, the full meal. They really go for it. And like Susanna White, who directed this episode, like, holy shit. You know, if you're giving out Star Wars shows and, and movies and stuff based off of, you know, what people have done in the past. Uh, I know they already gave people a whole show after The Mandalorian, but man, this is like tops all that stuff. Yeah, this is great stuff. Just that moment where they're sitting on the bridge, they're at the very tip, whether it's going to tip over into we're going to actually do this or not. And Vel is just sitting there and you can watch her terrified of what's going to happen. That right. She's so got amazing. major second doubts and, and she's supposed to be the leader who doesn't have second doubts, you know, and they're all and she's like, are we fucking doing this or what? Like, you know, like, don't like lose your nerve now, you know. 
And yeah. but that's like, you know, that they know what's coming. This is a suicide mission. Right. And it kind of was like not that many people made it out. So, yeah, I mean, the, the intensity of all that, the prep, it's like two episodes of, of prep for it. Right. And then and then it's on and then it's like, I thought that was just really thrilling stuff. Yeah. The heist itself was just great. Uh, I like even them fleshing out the the little imperial. What, what was he like a general or something and his family? Like, oh yeah, even the little yeah. stuff I mean, they did there was was great for sure. It's like really showing you know consequences and and how this affects everybody, right? This guy's family, the whole deal there. It's like that's like really terrifying for them. And there's you know none of this is like you know we've said a bunch, but none of this is clean, and and and, and a lot of it is messy. And this is just how this stuff goes down. You know, there's like I don't even want to say like eggs will be broken making this but it's like look how many people were lot lo- you know I, I guess spoilers for people who you should definitely yeah i guess what yeah. we should say if you're listening to this episode you definitely definitely have to watch uh this episode episode six called the eye um which is a reference to the the meteor shower thingy that's over uh aldani and and it's this this event that ha- it's like kind of like the super version of Haley's comet that happens every like century or something and everybody gathers for it and that's obviously if you've been paying attention to the show and watching that's the reason why they did the heist when they did because they wanted to time it to this event because everybody's distracted and it's a good it's a good cover for them to do it um but definitely yeah definitely watch this episode before you listen to this discussion because this is going to be super spoiler filled and a lot of shit happens <laughs> and how beautiful even i know it's cgi i know it's fake but how beautiful was that eye event that was really cool cool, and then flying through it as well it's just gorgeous yeah that was pretty pretty amazing so what did you think i knew we were going to lose some people poor nemec is is really my thought because i really liked that character every time he had a scene i was like man i like that guy more and more yeah he's such a you know such a an earnest smart articulate kid who obviously really really believed in this cause but like you know this is this is like risky business that they're pulling off here and we and we knew that like there's a real heartbreak in that but that's the whole point right like i think i think as we go along you're just going to see that more and more of like andor like you know again this is a story of someone who sacrificed it all right and mm-hmm. for, for this cause and i think you're going to see lots of like these kind of mini heartbreaks along the way of like trying to put this thing together and watching it fall apart often and losing people because this this shit is like it is do or die it's it's you know it's uh these are death defying kind of acts that they're trying to pull off these are basically all next to suicide missions and and there's just massive high stakes here so yeah i mean i get it as high risk and also we found out sort of like the kind of the purpose of namek in that you know his manifesto has been given to cassian and obviously that's gonna that's gonna be a thing that probably helps you know, Cassian is probably going to read it and he's probably going to get help get lit up by the whole, you know, the belief in there and then realizing, I mean, that's the other thing, like that's his death is like a sacrifice and it's going to echo to like, you know, what happens in Rogue. And I think we're, feel we're going to see that a lot. Yeah, I just love the way they've they've kind of cornered him into the rebellion. He doesn't want to join at every yeah. outlet. Yeah, and yeah. yet, you know, even now he has his way out. But that manifesto dropped into his hands it's just like you can't get out now he he For has to move sure. forward with it and 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 like you know i i was saying earlier to to somebody else i was who saw it most writers i think would okay so a bunch of people die there's a, a very crippled like small team left over most writers would have them lick their wounds and move on and then the next episode would be about them reconnecting with uh luthan and 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 you know doing a postmortem and figuring out where to go from there right mm-hmm. but 
no, like Tony Gilroy, like fucking throws a, a hand grenade at the end of this, at the end of this uh, episode and throws you through another like loop and this huge moral surprise of what happens with, with Evan uh, Moss Bacharach's character. And like, wow, like, and, and now like, you know, nobody's going to probably believe uh, and or right now they're going to probably go hunting yeah. for him. Who knows? Like, I, I felt like, wow, that was such an awesome, bold choice of what happened at the very end there. That and what a scene it was like the we're born in a hole and all we know is climbing over others to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Is... And, and, but, and again, you're right. That's such a fucking terrific line. Right. And, but the other part of it is like, okay, what does it show there? It shows character, right? Mm-hmm. Like Clem doesn't want fuck on anything to do with this. He just wants to get paid. But when he hears that line, it's like, no, he does have a threshold, right? He does have, like, he might be all out for himself, but he does have a moral line of something. He knows the cost here. He knows that people died. He's not totally soulless, you know? What it it says about Cassian, right? He does have a moral line, you know? he It's, like, kind of buried pretty deep, but this crosses it, right? Like, even Skeen, like, what he says is, like, fuck it, let's get out of here. Let's take this money and run. And that's a bridge too far for Cassian, you know? Cassian does a lot of fucking duplicitous shitty things but he does you know and and that's that's such great writing in that it works in all those ways but in that way to inform that like look he might be a shitbag as tony gilroy actually said in one interview that i read which is pretty awesome but he does have a moral line and skeen eben moss bakrock tries to cross it and Cassian is like fuck that no way and kills him for it right it's like it's almost like it's what's so great is like all of this stuff is so much of the writing is not really said but what he's saying there when he shoots him even this whole thing is like are you fucking kidding me your friends who are not even my friends but your friends just fucking died for you and you're gonna double cross them fuck you that's basically what happened that's what it said so much things are said there that are not quite said but you know them you know it's right it's, that moment is so great and i mean did you take away from that that skeen was always going to turn or did was that a spur of the moment decision for him i i felt I, like he would he planned it i don't think so i i mean i would love to hear what tony thought about that but to me this is like i mean maybe he always planned it but it seems to me like more like this guy always fucking lived on the edge and in this moment, it was like, Jesus Christ, we barely fucking survived this. L- look what's happening. This is a hopeless fucking cause. Let's just get the fuck out of here. I think it was more of a, a panicked. Uh, but he made up a brother. He like preemptively made up a backstory for himself to get in on this. Yeah, but I think people are complicated, you know, and, yeah. I, think that's, and, and I think that no one is, you know, I think we want to put everybody in. And that's what this show's sort of doing in its writing, right? It's just it's never as simple as like. Was he always the bad guy? No, I don't think so. I think he did believe in this stuff. And I think he loved that kid. But people are complex and they panic. And, they and and you know, I think in that moment, he was like, fuck this. Like, like what are we doing? You know, like, we're, we're, we're so lucky. And again, that's sort of what he's saying to me, but not actually saying those words. But it's like, what are we doing here? We barely made it out of here. Like, like let's just get out of here. Like, this isn't worth it anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. like we've all we've all just gone through so much bullshit. This is it would be an amazing score for us. I see a moment to just like get out and get paid. Why don't we do this? You know? Yeah. Obviously, it's tempting. It's a lot of money on the line, but Andor has principles after all. I mean, um, haven't we ever seen a million kind of heist and crime movies where people do that all of a sudden when it's mm-hmm. like that kind of opportunity is staring them in the face, and it's like it's like this life changing you know, amount of money. And all of a sudden they, they lose their minds. They lose their shit, you know, and they turn to people who they aren't, you know, we've seen that before. So I feel like it's kind of a, more of like a nod to that kind of thing. 
So we we see like a a glimpse of the empire on their back foot and trying to figure out how they're going to respond to this. How do you think they move forward into like the next few episodes here? Well, I mean, the next few episodes are consequences and all kinds of consequences, right? Yeah. The empire like looking for retribution, and I mean, by the end of that episode with that that main uh, imperial dude, he, he's basically this is not a drill. We need a plan, and I want to see it on my desk instantly and these people are going to fucking pay right so there's right. going to be like hell and fury coming down from that but then there's also the consequences of what andor did in killing skeen regardless if vel who's played by uh um, faye marseille faye marseille yes my god what a star making turn this is turning into I-, I think she ultimately probably does believe him because she does he does leave her with all the money and the ship and everything he's just basically saying i'm taking my cut i'm getting out of here like, you don't have to believe me that I killed him for the right reason. So in that regard, she probably ultimately does believe him because, you know, who who's going to do that? If you're going to really double cross and betray someone, you're going to take all the money, shoot her and fucking leave, right? Exactly. But still, I'm sure as soon as she connects with Luthen, they're going to come looking for him too. So it's everybody looking for him, right? It's the consequences. We still got Kyle Solar coming out there looking for him. Now it's going to be Luthen and Vel and being like, what the fuck happened? Like, explain this to me, you know? Like, and you may have gotten paid and done the job, but we don't love how this went down. So you need to fucking explain it to us. Yeah, this Uh, could be the way that Cyril gets kind of wrapped back into the the hunt for Cassian. uh, Just because, you know, maybe they have photo evidence of of his face and he's back on the radar, as it were. And suddenly Cyril is the only person who's had interactions with them and they need to get intelligence off of him. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, but like now, like now it's severe. Everybody is going to be looking for him. Whether, you know, Vel can probably tell that she wasn't completely double-crossed, but there's questions to be answered there, you know? And who knows? Maybe Luthen is going to like, she's going to go to Luthen and Luthen might say, well, his story was bullshit. I don't know if you didn't know that, but his backstory was bullshit. And I knew there was some sort of trouble there. I didn't know how it would manifest. So it could be something like that. Could be. I mean, Luthen seems to know all the cards and knows all the players. And he is, I mean, he already said that, you know, I, I, I didn't, he basically says in the previous episode, I'm a little worried. I didn't completely vet Cassian Andor, right? Mm-hmm. So he's a man who has to also takes risks, right? Like great risks. And maybe, uh, maybe Skeen was one of those risks. Maybe it was like, yeah, maybe he's not completely on the up and up, but he's going to help get this mission done. Because at the end of the day, that's what Rogue and all these things are telling us. The cause, the main mission, the main thing is bigger than any individual, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is uh, expendable at some point. I mean, that's all Rogue One says at the very end, right? Yeah, absolutely. All in the name of hope, right? Yeah, all in the name of this rebellion and doing awful things and and and, and trying to turn the tide, you know. And and it's never going to be, it's never going to be clean. It's always going to be really dirty and messy and a lot of shit broken on the way there. Anything else you want to touch before we set up the interview? Well, we lost a lot of good kind of characters, right? Like, yeah. fucking, uh, it seems like it seems like Gorn is dead. Yeah. Um, it definitely seems that Terman, played by Gershwin Ustash uh, Jr., who had an excellent turn on um, that Steve McQueen show uh, a year small or two acts. ago. Uh, yeah, Small Axe, that's right. Yeah, so, and oh, Cinta, and Cinta's out there somewhere too, right? Yeah, she's just walking the planet right now. <laughs> I th- Like I said, I think that was part of the plan, but I'm not positive. <laughs> she seemed pretty calm about it. Right, it looks like in some ways you might 
you might mistake it that she was abandoned. Um, and they just had to get the hell out of there because they got out of there in a hell of a rush. Maybe she was supposed to meet them down there. Or the other plan of her was always to just walk away and get picked up later. Uh, we'll probably find out, right? Yeah. I don't know if Gorn's actually dead. I didn't. I see, you see him get shot, but you don't know how mortally wounded he is. Well, if he survived and they know what happened, he's he's gonna be toast. We're gonna yeah, he's gonna be he survived. All all we're gonna see is an ex- execution in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know to underline this a- episode and maybe just to underscore the whole thing, it's just like you know heartbreak and and sacrifice, right? Like this thing got pulled off, but there was a huge cost to it, right? And I think yeah, I think we're gonna continue to see that. This is this is difficult business that they're doing. Um, this is risky shit. So people are gonna die (laughs) (laughs) trying to trying to pull this stuff off and then you know we're just probably going to see more cells more people uh similar kind of people like joining or already part of the cause that we don't know about yet and and you know and and forming a a bigger group and it's going to get bigger and bigger and you know and somewhere in all this cassian's got that manifesto that probably going to light him up and help him understand a little bit maybe just give him a perspective that that he doesn't have or has been unwilling to look at because he's been you know as he said you know his 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 gaze has been down he doesn't look the empire in the eye he's trying not to make eye contract he's trying to make it out alive so you know i think symbolically i think this is a really important episode too that and that conversation that he has with namek early in the episode where he's like yeah. they don't care about us they don't know about us well yeah. now they fucking do <laughs> I love those conversations, man. That stuff yeah. is again, it's like another like fight scene. It was similar to like the the conversation he had with Skeen the previous episode. You know, it's like they're really just like gnashing teeth and they're really in each other's faces. And you know, this one might not be as agitated, but it's still the words, you know, they're like having like a, a mini battle with uh, their monologue. It's great stuff. I really do. Uh, we get a peek of Mon Mothma in the Senate there yeah. and Luthen at the end, just kind of his relief that's being showered over them at that point right. uh, but i really do want to explore their their lives more because mon's really rich being on both sides of the the line which we go over in her interview here that's coming up it's a really really interesting territory to put her in for sure i can't wait to hear it oh, oh why don't we leave with a little tease since we've been told a little tease and i'm sure um maybe just a little easter egg for people but we've been we've been told that there's going to be a surprise character showing up <laughs> in Andor uh, at some point and we don't know when and we don't know who um, but we have our theories and maybe if you're listening you can start uh, meditating on that although my one thought about that is if you're going to start guessing like people within the Lucasfilm universe that are not attached to the series you're probably guessing wrong is my yeah my- I would guess characters that were in Rogue One that may not be dead or that are involved in some way at this point already. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily expect Jin or so to show up or anything like that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. There are, there are really good other possibilities and really great actors that could show up. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about that another time, but for yeah. sure. Okay. Well, for our listeners Andor's first six episodes are now on Disney plus with new episodes dropping weekly through November. Like I said, we have Genevieve O'Reilly here, which last month, Uh, is when I got to talk to her. So this was before the first four had dropped. I'd seen the first four. So those are what we pretty much kept to. But she was so charming, Genevieve O'Reilly. She is just a really kind, sweet person. And I'm so glad that she's finally getting to kind of build out Mon Mothma as a character here. And we talk a lot about that. We talk about the 
the Mon Mothma of it all, just George Lucas, his forward thinking, uh, casting a female leader of the rebellion and, you know, bringing that person to fully to life and straddling both worlds in this series and those kind of lavish sets that she gets to play around in and what they represent. It's just great. And she she gives a really good tease for what's to come. Much like Fiona Shaw's interview last week, it does sound <laughs> ominous. So, cool. Well, I mean, like, like, you know, again, if we're talking about risks, you know, we haven't seen that much of Mon Mothma, but she's arguably the person with the mo- who's got the most at risk, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot of that come crashing down around her. Man, yeah, I can't wait to see kind of more of her life and the stakes that, you know, might be entering in when Luthen and Andor and everything comes crashing down around them. Yeah, I mean, it's still building and building, but yeah, this is this is what's so good about this show, the tension and the, the slow build that's really paying off and will probably just continue paying off in, in really serious ways. Six was probably my favorite. I loved this episode. What about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. It's, it's all been building to this. Now, I think we're going to see lots of consequences, a lot of people getting squeezed. And then by the end of it, you know, there's there's not that many more episodes after that. We're in the middle of it right now. So my guess is a lot of consequences and then somehow taking that and forming probably the genesis of what is going to be at least at least Luthen's cell. And then maybe maybe it's all about just these guys. And then, you know, the the next generation or the the other cells that are building and all that stuff, that doesn't happen until season two. But we know that we know that this um rebel alliance is, is a big, big thing, right? But it absolutely starts as uh as a piecemeal thing with different people, different factions all over the galaxy. And we know through the essentially the history of it all is that they eventually all connected, right? Mm-hmm. So uh we'll see that connective tissue somewhere along the lines my guess is season one since it seems some, like such a, a a real full piece I, I i think you know it probably won't start to we'll see the the embers of it co- coalescing at the end as a reminder we'll be back next week for another episode of the rogue one so keep checking back every week for more discussions and interviews and talks about this amazing piece of the star wars universe for rodrigo and myself stay rebellious <laughs> Genevieve, thank you so much Hi. for taking the time. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, nice to see you too. I am a giant fan of this show. Everyone at the playlist seems to be over the moon for it. So congratulations. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, this is not uh, your first go around with Mon. Uh, so how does it feel to be returning You know, to this character? It's really wonderful to have an opportunity not just to return to her, but to get to explore her in a way that we've never seen her before. Just in the the, the fourth episode you get to see so much depth within her. Did you, I mean, the the great thing about the show is the subtext and the depth. And while we only just meet her, you know, we're instantly getting more detail than we've ever had before. How does it feel to add layers to the character that you've been playing for so many years, even in just that single episode? It's wonderful for me as an actor to be able to have the opportunity to genuinely flesh her out. I've really admired her actually as a character for a long time. You know, I also have always respected that George Lucas and Caroline Blakeston together created this character who was a female leader of the Rebel Alliance back in the early 1980s. That is something to stand up for. And I love that Tony Gilroy has now 
um, within a long form narrative, which, you know, cinema doesn't have a lot of time to tell stories. So a long form narrative allows us to explore her and learn about her and color her in, in a way that we've never done before, like you said, but that also maybe afterwards might inform how we look at those later scenes. Absolutely. Even just those interactions with Luthen, Stellan Skarsgård's character, or Mon's husband, they're so informative and full of detail on who she is and who she's kind of had to play in the past. It's really interesting. Yeah, I was always curious, you know, I can tell by the t-shirt you're wearing that you know this, uh, that um, when in that original scene, you know, a a lot of fans will say to me that very famous line, many Bothans died to bring us this news. And I remember when I studied that scene, I saw at the very heart of that, that there was a pain or a weight that she had to carry. And I was perpetually curious about that. We've never got to discover that before, you know, who she is what her story was, what it costs to be her, what she has had to sacrifice. What was that journey to become that female leader? Because it doesn't look like it was all that easy to me. Right. And also, this is the first time we're meeting her where she's not fully entrenched in the rebellion. She is, but she's also got one foot in both worlds. Like, it's inherently more juicy. I, I I think it's fair to say... To agree with you, pre- previously, we've always seen her surrounded by a band of rebels, sending people yeah. off onto a mission. At, at, when we meet her in Andor, there is as yet no organized rebellion. There is, there are only whispers. So she, when we meet her, is steeped in empire. She is neck deep, working and living as a senator within the Imperial Senate. She is a lonely female, isolated voice for advocating for democracy against Palpatine's dictatorship. That is not a happy place to be. We then meet her in her home life and we see, oh, she's neck deep in empire there too. That's that's awkward. Yeah. Um, so what she has to do is, and what we see her do when we first meet her, is step outside that and risk everything that she is to engage in a very shadowy world of Mm -hmm. hoping and working to perhaps build a rebellion. Yes. And funding it in a way. And um, yes. On Coruscant, particularly in your home, they have these amazing, like lavish sets how does it feel to step into that versus like being thrown in a bunker again? You know, I'm sure it's cool. The bunkers are cool, but this is a whole new level. Well, it was wonderful in Rogue One. Actually, those those sets were were really rich and detailed. Yeah. They were all in camera. And uh, the um, in Andor, our designer, our extraordinary designer, Luke Hull, has has created it all in person as well. So those sets that you see, we got to inhabit, we got to play with, we got to feel. Like the idea that Mon Mothma has lived her life previous to Rogue One within a world of marble and hard surfaces and glass and architecture allows it just even that allows us to see her slightly differently i think and then you put this version of mon in that world she's less confident she's less secure she's 
more fragile than I've certainly had the opportunity to play her previously. And she's in this very severe gilded cage. It's great stuff. The writing is amazing. The sets are amazing. The performances are amazing. What can you tease for the rest of the season as far as her rebellion goes? Can she, Do we maybe even see Mon pick up a blaster or something like that? I'm, I'm sure you've been dying to do it. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, she's a politician. Mm-hmm. She's always been a That's politician. Fair. That's fair. So um, her weapon is probably and always will be one of words. And she, her, she fights with diplomacy. But what we definitely get to see her do in this season is risk it all and how close it comes to breaking her. The choices that she has to make are not easy and they're not attractive and they're painful and they're a bit ugly. Um, It's darker and grayer a world that Mon Mothma has to inhabit. And I think she'll be the better for it. Yeah. I love the rich gray area of the show. They're giving me the wrap, but one more question. What's your favorite Star Wars film? Oh, I mean, I'm so old school. I'm going to go Return of the Jedi. I'm not Return of the Jedi. The Empire Strikes Back. The second one. I love The Empire Strikes Back and I love Return of the Jedi. They're kind of, Return of the Jedi was the first film, our Star Wars film that I ever saw. So that's always up there. And I love The uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm old school. Same with me. My favorite. (laughs) All right. I want to thank you again. For our listeners, by the time you listen to this, uh, Disney Plus will have premiered new Andor episodes every Wednesday. So it's going right through November. Genevieve is amazing in them. Thanks again, Genevieve. Thank you so much. 